Bon dia, bon tardi, e bon noche. Welcome back to the show, guys. Thank you for coming to watch. Thank you for listening, for everyone uh, listening on to the podcast version of it. I have a very lovely guest with me today. I'm happy to say that I'm uh, balancing my men to female ratio on my podcast now. Nicole, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Feel comfy, cozy, ready to go? Yeah. Cozy. Awesome. <laughs> all right. So, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for having a very uh, kind of a Barry White. James Brown, James Earl Jones, kind of nice, nice, sultry voice, because uh, the fact that you're a public speaker helps with the combination with such a nice, calming voice. So That's everyone listening, you're, you're welcome for me getting a guest on with such a delicious voice. Someone told me recently um, that my voice has ASMR vibes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I don't know enough about it, but then I Googled it again and I was like, oh, yeah, that. Oh, I see what they mean. Ever need a side a side hustle? Just uh, start whispering shit yeah. and uh, start tapping my fingernails. Yeah, I wonder if you could like just do ASMR, but about like papimento stuff, so papimento words, Ooh. and just like wish like totolica, <laughs> trupial cacho, and just see if people like work into it. Oh hey, God. no judgment. ASMR is your thing, you know. Holla at her. Never know. I can I can say totolica to you. See, there you go. Wait. I can say trupial. There you go. My, my viewer count's going up right exactly. now. Exactly. So. For the people who don't know you, um, we, of course, as many of my guests, we went to school together. We know each other from uh, from school. and uh, No, we know each other via uh, other. I Yeah, we know each other via random people, actually. Yeah, but we're still the same school. No, I went to ISC. You went to ISC, that's yeah. right. And how the, how the hell were you? Those kids. How the hell were you at Rodolfo so often then? I. Like, I don't know. I was friends with a lot of people from Adolphus. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm, everyone always I'm, forgets I'm true, I went to ISA. I'm truly super surprised. And people at PSA are also like, yeah, but you were at PSA with me. I'm like, no, I wasn't. Like, like the nomad of the school. Like a little imposter. Exactly. Yeah. I was literally telling Fleur that, oh, yeah, we went to school together. That's yeah. how I know her. No, you lie. No. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I was just, I don't know, visiting. I was very social. I still am very social, Absolutely. I suppose. Yeah. And, um, the way we knew you as the girl with a very contagious smile. Yeah. You always had a nice, big, beautiful smile. And then no matter what happened, you were always cheery. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but as all Antianos, we make our journey from the islands to here to where we are now. So tell us a little about that for you. How was that for you? Um, I think like most of us, it's been a journey. Um, I came here expecting I'd be here for like, three, four years, and then I'd leave. I wasn't necessarily planning on going back to Curacao right away, but I I knew for sure, oh, well, I'm not going to stay in Holland because, I don't know, it's cold and, and rainy and whatever. Um, and it's been 11 years, um, and I'm, I'm so gladly here. <laughs> like, yeah, like I'm not being held against my will. I'm happily still around. Um, so I think that has been quite interesting. Um, and... I think that I, I I hadn't really anticipated when I came here. I was so excited at that time to just leave the island. You know, I was, I think like most of us, you're 17, 18, and you're like, oh, this island is too small for me. The world is so big. I need to go see everything, and, and I can't wait to leave. Um, so that was all great, but then I think that I underestimated because of that what it would feel like to get used to living here. So the culture shock for me was very, very real. Um, 
And in some way, the first three years, I sort of got away with it because I lived on an international campus. So the culture shock was still kind of distanced from me. And then I went to do a second bachelor in Dutch. And that's when it just hit me like pretty hard where I was like, you oh, just, damn. You were just hit with puffertures and frikandella and ove, yeah. like left and right. You didn't yeah. know what to do. Yeah. yeah, biking. Yeah. But I mean, I think that it, it's been tough. Yeah, the, in the past decade, there's definitely been a few, there's a block of, I think, a good four or five years that was really, really hard uh, and unnecessarily so. Um, and hard in, in which way and for what reason? Um, the culture shock part um, and the identity part. But I, yeah, I, if I start telling that, then we kind yeah, of already we're, go we're, we're jumping into, into, into the meat and potatoes of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but we'll get to that. I definitely understand that's something that a lot of people struggle with. It's uh, yeah, because you're thrown into such a different environment. You yeah. start to wonder who exactly you are or should be. Yeah, and that can definitely be a little bit of a roadblock when you're also trying to focus on your studies. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, speaking of which, what did you come here to study? Um, I came here to study law. Yeah. Okay. So I did my undergrad. So my my bachelor was. Um, liberal arts and sciences uh, because I went to that international I wanted to study in English that was the thing um, so I um, because I went to the international school English was my best kind of I'm, I'm the most fluent in English and so I wanted to study in English chose a university where I could do that and I could do liberal arts and sciences and had a major in law so that was what I did and then I went to study a, do a second bachelor in uh Rechtsgeleerdheid, so Dutch law, um, because I wanted to be a lawyer and blah, blah, blah. You need to, to do that. So, yeah, law. And Very dry, and serious. From, and from your studies, you actually went working for a law firm, right? Law office. Yeah, I worked, um, I worked at a law office here in Utrecht for two years. Um, that was like a part-time, next-to-my-studies kind of thing. Um, super interesting intellectual property law, so that was really cool. Um, and then I went to work not at a law firm, at a trust company. Okay. So, but I was doing the legal side of it, but it was very different because there it was like really diving into corporate law and, and all of that. So, uh, also very interesting, but both of those things were next to my studies. And then I stayed at that trust company for five years in the end. Wow. Um, yeah, almost five years. And, um, Turned that into a full-time thing once I finished studying, basically. And, and yeah. where, where does your big trip to Australia fit in this uh, this little roadmap? Um, so that was in 2018. Okay, I'm jumping into the meat and potatoes yeah, then. Yeah, here we go. Okay. That's also the reason so, why I wanted to dive into the fact um, of your past career. Yeah. Because it's we're going to get into that now. You made a very, very big change in not only the the field of interest but also the the format in of work so i'm using australia as a bit of like a like a segue yeah. so tell us but, about but it but that's the thing is it it is it does all link together yeah. so really it starts with okay high school you're trying to figure out what you're going to study and my choice at the time is very interesting to me still i wanted to go to art school or law school Two completely different yeah. things. But I, was, I am still very passionate about art. I paint and stuff like that. Um, and I was into public speaking and stuff like that. Um, but usually in the format of like 
you do like a mock trial or something like that. So I was like, oh yeah, I'll be one of those cool lawyers like yelling in a courtroom and stuff, you know? Denied. Exactly. I was like, that's going to be awesome. Objection. <laughs> I object. All, all those cool words you get to yell out at people. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, honorable judge. Yeah, I was super into it. I was like, that's going to be, that's going to be awesome. And so I made the choice um, for law school because it seemed like the wise thing to do because again, at the time I was only painting and I had kind of a simplified view of what art school would be where I was like, oh, but if I'm a painter, I will not earn any money, full stop, basically. So I was like, okay, law school. So I came here, had that little complicated thing where I wanted to study it in English, went to study it in English. That was all great, had a great time. But then came the kicker, which was I couldn't actually become a lawyer with that degree because... Ain't that some shit. Ain't that some shit. So then it was like, well, you need to go study law in Dutch anyway. So I was like, oh, damn. So I went to do this uh, bachelor. You thought you had like a dope loophole. I and thought, uh, you're playing the game and the game was playing you all the time. The game played me hard. Uh, yeah. So then there I went. But I've never, I've never had any schooling in Dutch. I speak Dutch with my parents, but that's it. So my Dutch at the time was, was spoken um, like very strong but my written dutch and and my reading skills were just low so i went it was a struggle bus basically first year i had to quit um because i got negative study advice because i was failing everything then came the whole mental barrage i tried to i tried to complete that bachelor for five years by the way on and off um yeah, resilient girl it was yeah I'm de I'm definitely like a dog with a bone with certain things. Um, and I just had in my head, I was like, there's no way you can tell me I can't do this. This is impossible. Of course I can Reaching to do the choir. it. I can do anything. So I was like, I'm going to do it. Do you also have the sense that when people say you can't do it, it just makes you want to do it even more? It makes you want to do it even like, more. So people, yeah. literally at the time, people were like, yeah, mar, should you maybe stop? And I'd be like... Just because you've said that, I refuse. Just to because you put it out in the universe, I'm gonna step on your throat, you know. <laughs> but it, but the only metaphorically, one, metaphorically, exactly. <laughs> but the only one who who lost in the end was me because I, I pushed and pushed and pushed myself, um, and and it turned into this whole mental health thing. I I had depression, which is interesting because I am. For most people who know me, I'm the sunshine girl. Absolutely, you know, I'm always you've always happy. been the sunshine girl. Yeah. So that was such a complicated process of, first of all, that that process of seeing yourself fail for the first time, because I've always been, I've always done well in school and stuff like that, bit of a like nerd and just kind of breezing through. So for the first time seeing like, oh, are you really that smart? Was kind of the, the thoughts that started coming up, which was really hard. Um, and then this feeling of, okay, but if not law, then what? Like, if I can't do this, what am I going to do? Like, shit, I've been putting in at a certain point, okay, like you're what, four years, five years, six years down the road out of high school. And what if, if, if you're going to leave that idea of that future, what are you going to do? And then came, but I'm the sunshine girl, you know, like I'm not, I'm, how am I feeling so bad all the time if I am always happy. I'm supposed to always be happy. Um, so it was, it was, it was a lot. It was really tough. And it took me kind of hitting that wall really hard at a certain point of, um, you know, being stuck in bed for just weeks and 
realizing, oh, I need someone to to like help me out. So I went to the high starts and we figured out a psychologist. I like let my parents know, you know, I'm I'm having a tough time. I stopped school. Um, and one of the things we talked about was, okay, well, what's the solution? How are you going to get yourself out of this? And I said, you know, I think that it's situational. I think it has to do with this study. Like I need to feel intelligent again. I need to feel empowered and badass. Like I felt for most of my life. So I went to do my master's. Justifiably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know. Right. I mean, yeah. fabulous. What can I say? <laughs> so um, I went and I did my master's in English again, flew through it, like got without, with putting in like so it's a the, fraction. It's the Dutch. The Dutch just the fucking Dutch, tripped you up. The and Dutch I, just messed I complete, me up. I completely get it. Like oh. all, all my employees are Dutch. Yeah. And I constantly have to ask them like, hey, is it the of hat? Oh my God. Is it the of hat? Is it, with a, is it with day to your day? Okay. Welkletsvortsbundnl. Is my favorite. Is, is that a thing? Velklet, dude, yeah. Get oh, on God. that shit. You just type in the word and it tells you if, if Man, it's de or I'm hat. so fed up with that shit. For me, everything is date. Everything. <laughs> everything is date. Like yeah. even like this, like pet, date. Cat, date. Hoot, date. Everything is date. Just um, if whenever someone tries to if I say like, oh yeah, I'm a date, blah blah blah, the word or like the phrase "het kofschip" oh, just pisses fuck, me fuck off. Fuck the kofschip. The kofschip is just the bane of my existence. Fuck that Laat shit. me. Mm. Ik wil niet horen over kofschip. I have the same thing with like "die of deze dat." I can't. And, people, and people are like, yeah, it is logisch. I'm like, no, it's not explained to me. Not. Yeah, because you just kind of know. I'm like, just kind of know doesn't make it logisch for me. Exactly. Man. Logisch for you, but... And then I always use the Antiano like scapegoat of, look, I speak four languages. Yeah, I'm allowed to suck at Dutch. Same, same, same. So, man. I but. just, but the thing was, I also did like the typical Antiano thing where I started making everything smaller for a little while. Absolutely. Because I was like, yep. I was like, yo, het huisje, exactly. het autootje, exactly. het stoeltje. I, I was like, I no one's going to know. I do the same thing with like with Meervoud, so it's the. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then I just avoid yeah. being in a situation where I have to like same. choose. Same. And like as much as I love my girlfriend, she has this thing where like if I'm in, in the in the middle of a great story and I'm telling like this whole charade and yeah. then I say, Yeah, and then it was something and she's like, hat. Like, <laughs> God damn it. Right in the middle. Yeah, so, I feel you. So when you were able to do your masters in English. Easy. You, Easy. It, a it, fraction of the effort and I had only eights and nines and it was just And was that a little bit like reconnecting with how you felt before you went studying in Dutch? Yeah. Was it the old you a little bit again? Definitely. Okay. And that, so that was so that was just kind of like wow, okay, I'm back, you know, sunshine girl back in the game. But but also kind of having learned a lot. Like I think that it was really valuable. It was a hard time, but it was very valuable for me to hit that brick wall. Absolutely. Um To also realize, like, listen, you're you're as flawed as everybody else, and that's totally okay. Um, so I finished the master's, and I'm a dog with a bone. So I went back to the bachelor. Oh, I was like, I need come to on, go. take a hint, girl. Take a hint. No, can you imagine? Oh my god! I was just like, I. Ref But the thing was, as well, was at that point, I was like, I don't really want to be a lawyer anymore because I had worked in in the field, and I had seen that it wasn't really my jam. Like it's you it's not what you see on tv and, it has and, to be for you yeah and so i was like okay uh but i'll get the i'll finish the bachelor and um maybe i'll work as a lawyer for like until i'm 40 and then 40 became 35 and then 35 became 30 
At that point, I was 26, 27. And I was like, okay, so why are you doing this? But I still couldn't leave it. So I went back, but I made a deal with myself that if if I started to feel bad again, any kind of depressed feelings at all, I had to quit. So, um, or if I failed even one exam, I had to quit. And so I went back and um, my first exam period, I failed both my exams. And I was like, okay, done. So I signed, I cried like crazy, obviously. Um like deregistered that same day, but I had made another promise to myself. And here's where Australia comes in. I had made a promise that after I finished my studies, I would go on a gap year because we don't really do that coming from Curacao. You which just, we fucking should. Which we should. We absolutely if, should. If you, again, like, I mean, of course, it's a privilege to be able to do that. But if you are financially able to in any way shape or form yes a hundred percent we should be trying to do I, that i so wish I, I took that opportunity when i had the chance i we didn't know i didn't even know that was a thing yeah i remember in my first year um there were people who were 19 so they were a year older than me who had just started and i'd be like oh so like what is it like bang or something like yeah. whatever and they're like oh no no it, it kept in gap year and I was what the like, fuck is a gap year a gap year and yeah. then they're like oh yeah my parents let me 18 year old me go to asia alone and i was like what look these, i just always thought be crazy i just always thought it's something that rich white people do same and i was like i'm not i'm not rich or white so not gonna be an option for me exactly i was like uh, but but so they told me about it and i was like oh it's so it's a rich white people thing like yeah, yeah. okay like ding okay and, and i kind of we, we don't away. say that with any racist connotation it's just no. it's just how it appears when you're a kid and you think yeah oh well i don't get a porsche for my 16 year old 16 birthday so uh, i can take a gap year that's exactly. kind of exactly and so, but then kind of over time, I I heard more people doing do that kind of thing. And I was like, okay, well, obviously it costs money, but it doesn't have to cost so much money. And I did a bunch of research and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. So with like, I don't know, uh, 5,000 euros, which was a lot of money to me still. I was like, but with 5,000 euros, which in the grand scheme of life is not that much, you can do that. So I was like, okay. When I finish my studies, I'm going to go do that. So all of a sudden, I graduated with my master's. Sure, okay, that's all cool and very proud and blah, blah, blah. But all of a sudden, I drop out of law school definitively, finally, for real. And I'm like, shit, now I got to go on the trip, you know? Um, You have to. No, I have to because I I said I was gonna. So I... uh, I just decided to start telling people. I just told people like, oh, yeah, I'm going on a trip in like half a year. And I went to my boss and I was like, listen, so that was at the trust company where I was part-time. And I was like, listen, I am going on this trip. That means that per direct, because I, I I was also like, I, I quit school yesterday. <laughs> um, so per right now, I need more hours. I need to work full-time. And in, uh, I think at the time I had said September and this was in December. So a bit more than half a year. So I was like, in September, I will leave and I will leave you as an employer and he was like okay cool so i started working full-time september turned into november and it was going to be a half year trip um five months in southeast asia and one month uh yeah uh four and a half months southeast asia a month and a half australia so i was like all right cool and um all this yeah all this stuff like gave up my apartment like crazy just Throwing every throwing everything upside down All these and radical I left. moves. Yeah. And it was really nice because I it felt like for the first time I was making really radical moves, but it also kind of felt like I was very aware that 
for the first time I was making decisions for myself. Um, and it was a weird realization because I was like, oh, damn. So that means all these years without realizing it, I've been making decisions for other people. And that's quite confronting. Absolutely. I can imagine. But uh, yeah, so I went and the half year trip turned into a year because pretty much the moment I arrived, I met people who I did not go there with a lot of money. Um, and I met people who were there with even less money um, and who had bigger, longer plans or who were telling me how much money they had. And they're like, yeah, I've been out here for a year. And I was like, huh, how? Like, how are you doing it? And you learn all these little things like how you can volunteer at a hostel for free accommodation, stuff like that. And that's how you extend your your trip. And so at that point, I was like, well, why would I? I've always wanted to go to Australia. Why would I go there for a month and a half living like a super limited kind of existence and traveling in very with very with a very limited budget um, when I can go there and do a working holiday visa where I can work, earn money, and you know support myself yeah. there. So yeah, just have a better experience. I did that, yeah, and I worked for four months on a farm. Yeah, it was so cool. It was farming so, what? Um, bananas and papayas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I was there on the farm every day, wake up at 5, in the bus at 5.30, um, eight to nine hours of packing. So so the girls pack the fruit, the boys go out into the field and get it. Um, and yeah. That, that's some gangster shit. It was so sick, like massive spiders in the papayas and shit. And I'm terrified of spiders, but... Blimey, that, that's a big spider. Dude, it was snakes. Like you find, cause I mean, it is Australia. It was just. I'm surprised the papayas don't have teeth. It was wild. It was just so cool, so cool, and um, so that all happened and was was brilliant. And then I came back in December, so almost a year ago, because I wanted a bit of a break because I was feeling, you know, travel is awesome, but. Uh, I'm a very sensitive person and I make friendships very easily, but I make very deep friendships very easily. And so one thing about traveling that's tiring is that you're constantly emotionally investing in these new people and constantly having to say goodbye. And so I had had like a, a romantic relationship out there and had to say bye. I had like met all these new best friends and had to say bye. And I was just at a certain point, I was like, I cannot take... Yeah, the that, achy, breaky heart That shit's heartbreaking, girl. I know. I was I'm like, the same way as you. I was like, this is too, too much. So I decided to come back, take a little break, um, and be here, see all my friends, see my family, blah, blah, blah. And then in October, I was going to go back to Australia. So a, a month and a bit ago. Um, and I came back and I was looking for a job. And it's so wild because in all of this, so while I was traveling, I discovered like rediscovered my passion for writing. And that's when it dawned on me where I was like, this is what Hello. you should have been doing all along. Like what? So I was like, I've been writing my first book and all this stuff. And so I was like, okay, awesome. I'm going to go and like be a writer. And I get back to Amsterdam and I'm looking for a job. And what do I do? I take that old job back at the trust company because they offered it to me and because it's good money and because... And because you're a glutton for punishment. And because I'm apparently such a glutton for punishment. And so I went back and Corona happened. So everything was kind of going sideways with my plans anyway. And I was like, okay, but if I'm going to be here for so much longer, do I want to work at this place that makes me 
miserable and bored and is like sucking my, all of my energy and breaking my soul. Yeah. No. Um, and then came the stuff where my boss, my boss is quite a, uh, my former boss, um, is quite a misogynistic, like, I mean, he's a, he's a middle-aged white man who's very stuck in his like privileged ways. Yeah. And so he started talking to me about black lives matter all the time. So it was funny when like, I think everyone should talk about it and feel able to talk about it. Yeah. But it's, it's sometimes yeah. it's like those people who have such firm opinions. You, you would think that rich, white, old folks would be the ones be like, I might be wrong about this. Exactly. So let me be open minded. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing is like, I, I am not, I don't have a problem with talking about it because I think the only way that we all learn stuff is if we talk and ask questions and stuff like that. So in that regard, even though sometimes it's exhausting, I'm an open book. Um, but he wasn't trying to talk to learn. He was trying to talk to always tell me that in Holland, there's no racism Ugh. and like, uh, Stallion eats so Anne and all that stuff, Ooh, you know? Don't, hey, don't say that shit to me, dude. Yeah. Oh, and, and, I hate that. white uh, uh, people saying Stallion eat Anne is like top of the list and the shittiest things you can say yeah, to a person. Yeah. Like way to gaslight, you know, like, uh, and, and, and. I've always known in the in the previous years that I worked there, I knew he was like that, but I was able to kind of push it aside. But during my travels, one of the things that I learned was how to assert my own boundaries a lot better, um, kind of because I had to and because I met people who made me need to kind of learn that and practice that. So my bullshit tolerance is just a lot lower. So yeah, that's how I ultimately then... And 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 also, I also just kind of was think found myself thinking like, why are you doing this? You know that the legal career is not what you want anymore. Why would you come back to this office? What are you doing? And then on top of that, now you're listening to some homie trying to tell you that racism ain't a thing. And when when I I experience it all the time, I know that it's a thing. Like you do not need to preach to the choir, girl. Yeah, like so. That's that's kind of how I ended up just I yeah, I blew my top off and I was like, I quit. And I put it in my resignation letter too. I was like, these are the reasons I am quitting. Good. Because Do that I was shit. like, did make it, it put it on paper, make it heard. Yeah. Absolutely. And then of course we had like all these intense conversations where he was like, I didn't realize, blah, blah, blah. But obviously it was him trying to have his like last word and I was having none of it. And so yeah, I handed in my resignation left was trying to find different jobs and even as i was job searching i was like again why are you doing this like you're only doing this because you feel like that's what you should be doing but the things in the past years that have brought me the most joy and that have filled fulfilled my life the most have been the things that other people see as being illogical quitting law school after putting in five years um giving up an apartment in Amsterdam that was affordable to go to... Are you out of your mind? <laughs> exactly. To go to Australia and all these places. Um, quitting a job during a pandemic to then not find another job and decide, I'm going to be self-employed. Like, these are not logical things. But Well, it depends who's sitting across the table because to me... It's completely logical, but that's because you're an entrepreneur. It's but so you 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 make those similar decisions. Absolutely, and like when I hear you speak about it, all I can feel is proud of you 
because who wants to settle for the exact same repetitive copy of everyone else's actions? Yeah. And that's and as as much as I know you from back then, and then you girl, of, no. Of course you're of course you're gonna like be self employed. Of course you're gonna write a book. Of course you're gonna do publish. Like that's fun spreken to me. Yeah. So yeah. I completely understand. Yeah. I think that it just took a lot of time for me to um, let go of those expectations of what I should have been um, because I am intelligent. I know that. Like I did well, in, like I said, I did well in school and blah, blah. And the expectation of me was you go and you become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever because those are the things that we see as as standards of success. But did, did that pressure also come from upbringing and from home and from growing up or is it is it more internalized? I think it's a combination of both. Um, my parents always said, uh, we support you no matter what, but... It would be nice if you were a doctor. <laughs> exactly. There was that kind of like... An, like we love you, we accept you no matter what you want to do, but... You know, but maybe being a lawyer would be the smartest yeah. choice, you know, and, and those subtle nudges, I do think that you internalize those um, and they do become quite big and quite telling of, of yeah, the choices that you make. Um, and it starts to kind of shape an identity that you think you're supposed to latch on to. Yeah. And identity is like even me, like listening to um, um, that event you had last. Yeah, yeah. And it's very insightful to approach identity from that way and in telling the story now you've often mentioned that you ask the question why am i doing this yeah. why do i feel obligated to yeah. um what's this inner like struggle between something i need to do or something i want to do yeah and how how did that come about like real make you realize that it's an identity issue that's a good question. I think that, so the reason that I find it tough to tell any segment of the story without telling the whole story is because they are all so intertwined. And so I think that like my identity, my identity was shaped across the islands. Um, and I think on our, on our islands, we have also these quite traditional kind of expectations of what um, we're supposed to do what gender roles are, um, but also what the career expectations are, da, 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 da. Um, and then you come to Holland and those things shift and you start to ask yourself whether the kind of concept of your identity that you have, whether that is good, whether it's enough, whether it needs to grow potentially. And then you start kind of doing that. So that was kind of my development here. Um, and then, I went abroad and met all these people from all these places doing completely different things and doing things that, all, again, to me, um, coming from my background and coming from our expectations of career or identity or whatever, um, seemed outlandish and crazy. But they're they're really happy and they're making it work. And then that kind of influences, influenced my identity again, where I was like, oh, but again, it brings up those why questions of like, well, why is my identity like this? Why do I see myself as, um, I don't know, a serious career-driven woman? Why can't I see myself as a creative and yet also career-driven woman? Um, so yeah, I think I think that it all, all these different events and these experiences really shape your identity and, and transform it. Um, 
which has just been a it's been a ride but imagine. a really great ride because if if you said that for example with your previous employer that um you had to lock horns a few times like the last thing i would ever call you was confrontational yeah. so that i can imagine that was also a bit of a wake-up call to be like either wow i do have tough skin mm-hmm. or i'm actually a lot less of a pushover or i take a lot less shit than i thought i did yeah because and that's been a journey too because and and that oh i love identity because it's so complicated because so the my identity as being um always happy um is also very linked to always being agreeable oh Uh uh-huh but there that means that there's certain situations that i look back on where i'm like Agreeing to that thing or, or or not making an issue or not making a fuss, was that because I actually wanted to not make a fuss or am I not making a fuss because I'm the sunshine, happy, agreeable girl? And that is also super confronting and very, very interesting, but very complicated. And so I think that for me, the distance of being so far away from everybody that I knew and meeting all these new people in like a rapid kind of tempo um, and kind of having to set those boundaries made that I was like, okay, I am agreeable, but I, I can also be feisty and I'm allowed to be feisty. Like if I meet a traveler who wants to like travel with me for another week and I just don't like them cause they give me a bad vibe, bad juju, whatever, I'm allowed to say no thanks. But I find that really hard because for me that links into, oh, but then you're not being agreeable. You're not being nice. And I always wanted to be the nice girl. But I can still be polite and nice about it while telling you to go away. You yeah, know? But giving into it and letting it happen is not being nice to yourself. Exactly. So that and and I think that that was a very interesting process as well of figuring out like, okay, the fact that I can um, stand my ground and and be confrontational or just stand up for myself or whatever does not mean that I am no longer a nice person. Um, Those two things can coexist and that that's okay. And that meant that for the first time, but it, it, it was hard, like standing up to my, to my employer. I, and that's also why I put it in my resignation letter was because I was afraid I was going to chicken out um, where I was like, if I put it in the letter, because I wrote, um, I said that we have different um, Norma and Varda. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Ooh. Stings. Po- poke over that one. Stings. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, if I put that in there, um, then obviously a conversation will come out of that because he's going to want to be like, huh, what do you mean? Um, and then I have to explain, but if I just say, Hey, I quit. And he comes up to me and goes, why? I will end up coming up with an excuse and I'll say, Oh, I just uh, found something else or I don't know what I'll chicken out. So this was my way of kind of holding myself accountable to the things that I learned along the way, which was you have to learn to stand up for yourself and you have to know that that is totally okay. And that doesn't make you a bad person or a not nice girl anymore. And yeah, it's interesting. And was that kind of like like the last drop that made you realize that you can take a pretty drastic change in life because you went from working the more corporate life mm-hmm. to pretty much the opposite of being self-employed. Yeah. Was, was that was that the, the last straw that broke the camel's back or Definitely. And and 
it's funny because it, I already knew that that was, I'd been saying for years that I wanted to work for myself, that I wanted to own something for myself. I wanted to build something that was mine. Um, I just never knew what that was. And as I figured out, you know, I, it all started very innocently where I set up a blog for my travels because it seemed like the easiest way to keep people up to date. And then as I wrote more and more and people DM'd me being like, oh, you know, or like even Insta stories where I'd share a little story of me just talking shit and people would DM me and say like, oh, you know, this really resonates for me. I thought that I was the only one who ever felt imposter ics. syndrome or yeah. yeah, just ics, whatever the thing is that I'm talking about. And I was like, oh, apparently I'm saying stuff that's kind of valuable. So that's super nice. And that kind of grew into this, okay, so should you not maybe just write? And is that not just going to be your business? Um, and and let that grow in whatever form it takes, you know? Um so I knew that in the back of my head, but it's just fear. It's just fear of wanting to wanting to accept and and jump into this thing that is so kind of uh yeah, unexpected and not as stable. Um and then I don't know, pandemic and all this stuff and it's like asshole boss and I was like ah why am I just go then just just jump just jump, jump. in both feet just jump head first. jump both feet and you'll figure it out um so yeah and and since then I mean it's been two and a bit months since I've been um self like officially self-employed and figuring this all out and I've learned a lot really quickly um and the public, fire, man. the public speaking thing is one of them as well where I've always known that I like to talk. Um, I love telling stories. My friends actually sometimes which as are everyone, like, which as everyone listening can hear, she's pretty good at. So uh, <laughs> carry on. Sometimes my friends are like, "Can you just shut up, please?" I'm like, oh, "No." Hey, if, I, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, we the uh, two of us are kletskos. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was when I kind of this year I also realized like, oh well, can't I turn that into something? And then. It's funny, as soon as you open yourself up to it, all of a sudden stuff pops up. Yep. So all of a sudden, this opportunity popped up to register um, to apply for this this uh, little speaker's position at um, this organization called Creative Mornings, which I love. I've attended their events before. And I was like, oh, I can't do this. I'm so scared. Literally, at 11, the deadline was midnight. At 11 o'clock at night, I hadn't applied because I had convinced myself that they aren't going to choose me anyway. And who am I? 11 at night, I was like, why are you doing this? Like, apply. Just so fucking do it. Almost the middle of the night, I recorded my quick video, sent it. A week and a half later, they chose me. So I did that. It was awesome. But that was from the comfort of my bedroom, like on Zoom, which was I find that quite tricky to like connect with people via yeah, yeah, a computer. Ugh. But okay, I had fun. And then I was like, oh, cool, cool. I can I can pursue the public speaking thing. Blah, blah. Maybe I should just start calling myself a public speaker too. And then boom, came the opportunity to apply for TEDx uh, Amsterdam Women. Which I think you should have won. And I was like, oh my God, Nicole, apply, been, yeah. you know? And then... I think you did great. Thank you. I love listening to it. Thank you. It was It was so fun. And it was so... Nice, because that was that was like uh, on location. So there was people. There were people in the room. The people were 
us speakers and like the the team, obviously the organization and the jury. Um, but that was super nice to see for myself that, okay, when I'm standing on a stage and I'm looking at humans, I can do this. Yeah, you did great. Yeah. You, start, you started with a question. You, yeah. You had attention, the interest. It, yeah, you it nailed was, it. <laughs> I mean, I agree. And yeah. that is so liberating to say, right, that I look back at it and I'm like, I walked off the stage and I was like, I fucking nailed it. Yep. Like, I did that shit. And I look at the video now and I'm like, yeah, I mean, brilliant. Really, uh, I'm so uh, proud update, of update that. Update bio, public speaker. Yeah, yeah, but it's so, you you learn so quickly all of a sudden like, oh, okay. Um, you, I feel like I, and I still do it. I I think too much in formal education. I didn't dare call myself a writer because I did not go study literature or I am not a journalist. Um, but what about the fact that I've written a million essays over all these years of studying? You know, what about the fact that I write for myself, uh, a journal, uh, I've been writing for about 15 years for myself. I just never shared it, but isn't that also writing? Isn't that also perfecting your craft and public speaking? I was like, oh yeah, but you can't say you're a public speaker because you've never done it before. What about all of the moot courts that I had to prepare for pretending to be talking to the judge? Uh, presentations at university like that's don't those literally things, public speaking that's literally public speaking like why are you so afraid we're so afraid to call ourselves something to own it and to own it yeah and now in like two and a half months i've realized like oh yeah i can own the writer thing but also i'm a good proofreader like i did editing and stuff at university too i was on the board of a of a journal why are you so afraid to allow yourself to to own that you are also good at editing text? Because when you think about it, a lot of people who are successful in certain fields, um, there's enough of a split between people who have actually gotten there through education, traditional means, and people who have gotten there pure out of relentless effort yeah. and, and maybe misplaced but justified arrogance in yeah. the beginning. It's a, Guts. A, a, a piece of paper doesn't make you who you are. Yeah. Like your effort, your choices decide what you can call yourself. Yeah. And same as entrepreneur. Like, like that's the thing I have now. Like anyone calls entrepreneur, you can register the KVK. Yeah. You're entrepreneur. But it's it's a difference between if you consider yourself entrepreneur when you have a business or yeah. when you've made impact or when you have clients or when you've made money or if you yeah. break even. But whatever you need to do to make sure that you can keep making the steps, just own it. Yeah. Own the shit and run with it. Run yeah. like hell. Yeah. And I mean, that's something that's already popping up now because I'm like, oh, I don't really have clients yet. Oh, struggles. Um, and then those those thoughts will pop up all the time. Like a Absolutely. couple times a week, I'm like, oh, I'm not a writer well, at all. You need all. it for sanity. You need but, it to keep you gr- grounded. Exactly. And I'll and I'll like have a little cry because I'm, like I said, I'm sensitive. I, I cry and stuff when I feel sad. And so I'll have Look, a little... if you cry right now, I'm going to cry. Don't make me cry on my own camera. Stop <laughs> it, <girl. laughs> I'll have like a little cry at home and then I'm like, okay. You know, today's an imposter syndrome day. Fine. Cry or do whatever. And then after that, tomorrow, get back to it. Because you are a writer. You are a proofreader. And goddamn, you are a public speaker. So just go. Preach. Just do it. And it's been it's been a ride. So yeah. um, specifically now that the start of your new career, like you owning what you are, what... 
like what's the area in which you focus like what what's the thing you'd like to speak about the most um what's the thing you want to help clients with yeah. so anyone listening like what what's the what's the core of that then inclusivity inclusivity 100 percent um an important topic in this world right now yeah i so inclusivity for me is so it's it it's so big and it's something that we're so in so many different ways it feels overwhelming to start learning about um and i think for me like okay i'm 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 a person of color so obviously i've got opinions about that and and experiences um i'm also queer like i i i actually that was something like a month ago or so was coming international coming out day and like i hadn't actually really publicly like i i hate the term coming out like, i i read come your out post aware. i read your post like, i loved it i am i love it like just yeah. i'm just me yeah. man but ain't no closet around me ain't no closet but but this is something like literally last year was my first non-hetero relationship that was the first time ever and i was like oh damn like what does this mean for my identity and i was like well it just means that i love people you know that's you pretty sick that's pretty cool you like what you like you love what you love exactly but but how valuable is it for me being someone who likes to talk about stuff and is very open how valuable is it for me to share that story and in that way to contribute to the creation of space for more queer people um So that's something that is near and dear to my heart. Um, and then, you know, gender roles. Like, okay, I'm a person of color. I'm a woman. Um, what is it like for me to live in a world where women are still struggling in many, many big, significant ways? What have my struggles been with that? You know, um, the the expectation... That is where expectations also come from, right? Where for me as a woman, it's like, oh, but you're going to be a writer? Like, oh, you're not going to be successful? Like, oh. Uh. But there's so many men who would do that and it would be like, oh, yeah, like, cool, good luck, book. cool, yeah. write a book. Um, and and gender identity is also something that I have been learning a lot about. And that's one that I am, um, that I definitely want to help contribute to bridging the gap because Um, gender identity and gender norms are something that I've also shied away from. I've I spent quite some years being a bit afraid of saying that I'm a feminist or um, of whatever because of the fear of being not only an angry woman of color, but an, now also an angry queer woman of color. And it's, you know, like people will be like, oh. yeah, they're like, yeah. all angry lesbian. And it's yeah. like, oh, I just have opinions, you know, yeah. of and course you're upset. Of course yeah. you're upset about something. And I just think that it, there's so much more to all these things. And there's so much that we're afraid to learn because we're afraid to ask questions. Um, my current partner is non-binary. So I have had a steep learning curve with all kinds of stuff that has me questioning, like how, how much space do we create for each other in this world? How inclusive are we actually, each one of us individually? How many things do I say that could leave someone else um, feeling left out or not seen or whatever? Um, so yeah, inclusivity is my jam. I'm very passionate about it. I think it's all very interesting. Um, it's all Yeah, because it's also so new. It's, yeah. It, it's still developing and changing. It's still being introduced. You're still enough people who have never even thought about the fact that it has to be spoken of. Yeah. So it's so new still. Yeah. 
and it's it's just it's habitual right like um like now with my partner i see how much of our language is gendered where um like okay the ns has done a great job like best reisigers instead of damas and hera nice super cool but that's the that's the recorded thing um but when the conductor themselves says something they will usually say damas and hera and it never dawned on me before that that could be shitty for someone in the train it never and now i hear those things or like when the two of us are walking around outside and someone will say like hoy damas or something like that i'm like uh no you know it's just <laughs> hello it, individuals and like i understand because it's it's a politeness thing you know you don't say a lot of people feel like saying hello mensa is is rude or cold yeah. or whatever so i i get it but it's just interesting to recognize it and to see what are the things in my use of language that i can change and how can i contribute um and in that regard like it goes so it go it, it goes it's so broad like i said like i was on the the board of a law journal here in in utrecht for a while and um one of our board members was in a in a wheelchair and they put us every single year they put us in offices that were not wheelchair accessible <sighs> And you know these are simple basic things like, where if if a wheelchair isn't the obvious visual cue exactly. then I don't know what the fuck you need to see. Exactly. And it's just I think that for me inclusivity like I'm a very empathetic person and for me inclusivity just comes down to empathy. Like let's just try to be empathetic and kind to one another, you know? And and but I understand that you can only recognize that certain things you say are potentially not kind or are potentially excluding someone if you learn about it yeah um which is a process like um again gender identity like they them pronouns i didn't want to explore that for years because i was like ah, it's complicated like i pushed it Delicate away like a topic Yeah, and I was like, oh, but but I don't know anyone anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And it's like, well, that's not the point. You don't know anyone now, but maybe you will later. And now here I am, several years later, in this relationship, and I'm like, yeah, if I had met you several years ago and I would have refused to say they them or been insensitive in some way, I would have found that quite a shame. I would have I would have felt bad about that. And now I'm trying to be better. That's great because I yeah. I feel like I personally have a lot to learn about that as well, in which I'm happy I can now ask you about it. Yeah, because I I feel so double about it on one side. On one side, I believe that every single person should feel 100 accepted, welcome, um, included mm-hmm. in everything. Whether I don't give a shit what you are, how you look, what you're shaped. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't even care how you care to phrase it. If you're a, if you have a soul, you yeah. deserve everything equals everyone else. Yeah. On the other side, my island side kind of comes in and it's more of like we're very tough, resilient people. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't matter what the world does to you. It only matters what you do for yourself. Yeah. So that that other side, which I'm definitely learning to like keep to myself because it's part of who I think I am. I believe that no matter what people think of me or what they call me or how they look at me, it doesn't change shit about how I look at myself. I'm always going to be me. Yeah. And it's also a little bit of I would really want for other people to have that toughness. Just mm-hmm. like yeah. accept and love yourself enough it doesn't matter what is being said yeah. or 
So um, like it's, it's two sides of the, the same coin where like I would hate for anyone um, to not feel included, not feel welcome, especially since I have um, a fitness company. My whole yeah. business is for people to feel welcome in my in my location, in my gym. Yeah. And we're lucky enough to have people from all walks of life, of all um, gender identifications and everything. So I'm really happy that we feel included there. I've actually had conversations with people who came in, um, um, a guy who experienced like really bad, uh, had a really bad gym experience and a fit for free. Mm. And said, because he said, well, people can tell that I'm obviously gay. So then I definitely didn't like working out there because how oh. I was looked at everything. And I was oh, like, no. and, and he planned in a talk with me just to bring it up to see if that's okay. And I told him, man, the fact that you have to mention that already breaks my heart. Yeah. I don't give a shit what you like, who you, as, as long as you're a good person, you don't break my shit and you get a great workout. That's all that matters. Yeah. So he felt like he had to announce that and give a heads up of like, like in my previous gym, it, I didn't feel comfortable because I'm, and he said, because I'm obviously gay. Mm. I'm like, why, why obviously? Like, mm. and I was so happy that he signed up, became a member, he had a great experience and he's still a member now. Yeah. Um, because for me, it's just, I don't give a shit. As long as you don't commit crimes and hurt people, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. fuck. And when you're two consenting adults, do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. Like I say, the freakier, the better. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> and the other side said, like, come on, people, like, like love yourself, be tough. Like, fuck people's opinions. So it's it's really hard. I and think the thing about the resilience thing, though, like, I, I, I totally see where you're coming from because I've had that same kind of internal dialogue where I'm like, oh, just toughen up, Nicole. But um, I think that that's also very interesting considering where we come from because white people haven't been taught to be resilient, but we have. I think that that is definitely a... a a, a, a kind of conviction that a lot of people of color and black people have is we need to be so resilient. But what if the world could just not be so mean? Mean. <laughs> yeah. That's, but, but I, so I find it really interesting that you say that because, yes, I've definitely had the same things like geared towards myself where I'm like, oh, just be tougher about it, you know, just don't care what people say. But um, I find it very interesting to also ask myself, well, where does that, expectation of myself come from that i have to be resilient mm. um you you know like when i i don't know if nowadays if you're talking to someone a, a white person um who is who is pro svarta pit and you're telling them like yeah but we think you should change svarta pit and they're like all upset about it we could also t say to them like yeah you should you should be more resilient like just deal with the change and accept it but we don't really say that to them because that's not the the kind of dialogue that you have with with white people. It's really historically been geared towards us. Yeah. Um, so I think that's interesting. And as like, far as like the the, the actual like being resilient, I think it's just tough. Like sometimes it's really tiring. Like e even for me, I I had an experience in Australia where someone was telling me, um, and it's like I, I would say like top three most traumatizing experiences of my life um, where someone was telling me how I was going to hell for being um, like gay. And I was just like, wow. Wow. You know, like, what do I, like and, the middle of a cocktail party, we have a good time. Like, by the way, <laughs> like that shit is heavy, you what know? And, and you kind of, you kind of leave that and you're like, oh, but 
it's like all toughen up, like tougher skin. But those moments, they do carry a lot of weight. And and I think that if there are some basic small things that we can change that mean that other people don't have to be resilient to like whatever, um, then that's already great, you know? True, and, and we're not going to change the whole world. The whole... The whole world is never going to turn into a place where no one is getting their feelings hurt ever. So yes, resilience comes with humanity because we can just be kind of tough on each other sometimes. Um, but I think People it's finding assholes. I think it's finding a balance between between yeah the the two. I agree because I think like being accommodating and being empathetic is it should be like a basic human trait. Um, like if anyone comes to your home. Your first thing should be like, let me make sure person is comfortable, fed, yeah. has something to drink, has warm feet, you know. Yeah. That, that should be like the basic things. Yeah. And when I say like to be tough, it's not not so much in the sense of a person should change and be that or have it forced upon them. Mm-hmm. It's just maybe because of how I've been raised, how I am. I just It's so natural for me to just be like, well, that's your opinion and you're entitled to it, but it has zero effect on how I feel about myself. Yeah. And yeah. and the problem with this world is that uh, with social media and everything, everyone has a really easy channel in which to communicate their opinion. Yeah. And everyone has a right to their opinion, but they forget that as much right as you have to have an opinion, I have a much right to, as to ignore your opinion. Yeah. I don't have to take your opinion into, into consideration. Yeah. Especially when it's about social yourself. Social media can be scary in that right? regard. And yeah. Like, I feel for myself, I have to love myself enough respect myself enough to not let certain things affect me mm. and yeah or like let, let it just only be superficial yeah and so that that's where that that toughness comes from like so what if someone like thinks this of me thinks i'm like, going to hell yeah and, and i always say like like th- this too shall pass you know in yeah. a year it won't matter anymore yeah so f- that's why for me like i really struggle with it so when i encounter someone who i feel like um i should be a little bit more sensitive for mm. i always try to like take a step back okay don't don't be myself because being myself isn't being accommodating for that person. It's not mm. serving that person's comfort. Mm. But I still have a lot to learn because I don't have that many people in my environment who yeah. who I can do that for, for example. Yeah. So, Yeah, and I, I think it's also, though, do be yourself, but... Um, like, like, be accommodating in your way, whatever way you can. Because I don't think that it should be about, like kind of putting up a facade or anything no. like, you know, you never want to do that. Um, but, and I think one way of, of kind of inclusivity wise, learning how to do these things and kind of practicing is accepting that you're going to mess up. And in that way, I think you bring a very human yourself part to it, but the intention is there. And I think that that's, that speaks volumes, you know, like we talk about that all the time. Um, like at, at home about uh, like, so like at home in Amsterdam um, about the intention that as long as, as long as you say to someone like, Hey, this and that is something that I would like you to be considerate of, or for example, these are my pronouns or whatever. If they're, if they're trying and you genuinely see they're trying, then it's fine. And if they mess up a hundred times, fine, no problem. But if they um, respond with a "No, that's too complicated," or like "I can't do that," yeah, the, the, the dismissiveness—that's the, the that's dismissiveness—is yeah. is what's so what's so 
shitty. Yeah, which then again, now that you mentioned say it that way, that's the exact same way I feel about the whole Zwarte Piet thing. Mm. That when when people say, ah, it's toch a kinderface, niet zo aanstellen. It's so dismissive. You're exactly. just you're just so you're saying the discomfort and pain that people feel is so unimportant yeah. that it can be brushed off with, ah, just just pull it together. That you're not even gonna have a conversation exactly. about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah in, in that sense, I can completely understand that. Like for example, I hope persons in mind, but we have a client in the gym um, who is biologically a man, but identifies as a woman, mm-hmm. and um, she's such a lovely person. Absolutely, I just, I just like it when she shows up because it's just fun. Yeah, and I yeah. and I'm proud that a person who is. Um, who identifies as a woman but biologically a man yeah. feels comfortable in my gym yeah. because we have people who are like slinging 300 kilo weights around and we have big dudes and you know so even then someone can still feel comfortable in my gym yeah but um, it's not always obvious for all my employees or for the other customers in the gym so when when uh, when she comes in I'm hoping that people don't accidentally say stuff like oh hey what's up man or something like that oh yeah so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm always like a little bit on edge like please don't do anything to make this person not feel comfortable yeah, yeah. and so it's it's definitely like a learning process because I, I I also don't wanna be upset with people if they do get it wrong. Yeah. But also would really hate for the person to have any sense of discomfort. Yeah. Cause it's already a difficult thing that people are going through. Yeah. So it's a it's like I said, it's such a new thing and people have to a lot to learn and I have a lot to learn. So Yeah. And I always my parents always taught me if you're just always happy and kind to everyone mm. you're never gonna be piss anyone off anyway so that's mm. all good so that's that's my that's like my baseline i'll yeah. i'll i'll hug everyone i'll high five everyone i'll listen and talk to anyone i'll be as sweet and kind to anyone because i don't give a shit who you are what you look like fucking you can be a peg-legged green alien <laughs> and i'll and <laughs> to me good. you'll still be homie to me so yeah yeah and i think i think for me communication as well like i think we're so afraid to um we're so because we're so afraid to mess up we're so afraid to broach the topic at all yeah so i think one great way um to to make sure that she feels comfortable is once in a blue moon ask her if she's comfortable ask her if there's ever anything if there's anything that you can do to like make her more comfortable if there's ever anything that's popping up or whatever that she feels like isn't accommodating her or whatever um, and usually I feel like people appreciate that. Yeah, they appreciate so you having thought about it at all. Um, so I think that's a great way to, to sort of handle and, and approach these things. Um, so I've become much more open and honest in my communication, um, which has been only, only valuable. It's only a plus, right? Yeah. It seems like maybe not a talent, but a skill to just make mm. you a better human being in general. Yeah. So yeah. the more adapt you are to having that conversation and like being open to it is just a good human trait to have in general. Yeah. 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 And on that note, I do want to say one thing. So, um, here we go. Um, so in a, in, in a description like this, um, referring to the biological, um, like makeup by most people is, um, yeah, not is, is totally okay. I've done exactly the same thing. I did the same thing only like several months ago where I had made a um a friend on my travels, um, a trans woman. So that's what you 
ah, trans woman. God damn it. Da, da, da. Um, oh. But, but so that was, come the on, Daryl. No, but I totally get it. Like I, so I, I had, I had no idea this, that, that that was the proper way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that the feelings of being trans, um, and I don't want to step into this territory too much because I am not a trans person, so I cannot speak specifically to that experience. But what I have learned from trans people is it's not so much what is happening on my body biologically so much as it is what is the gender that I've been assigned at birth. Um, so you say like assigned female at birth, assigned male at birth, um, because that is what society says, okay, you have these and those parts, which means I'm assigning you as female at birth, okay. for example. Um, but the person's actual identity, the way they actually feel is, no, I am the other thing. So in this case, she's a woman. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And 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 the, the, the biological parts, blah, blah, all has no bearing on it whatsoever. Um, so the most, what I have learned is the most inclusive way to, um, refer to a trans person is to say like trans man, trans woman. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's, but that's... I made the same mistake. Like I, I wrote a blog post about my friend, um, in like May and I had said the same thing where I had, I exactly the same where I said like, um, biologically male, um, now female, something like that. Um, and I was alerted to the fact that, oh, that's not really Probably what you want to say. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's I can, but I can just cause... goes to show, right? There's so, but there's so much language yeah. that we need to learn and that we need to figure out, um, and it can feel so overwhelming. But I think that again, it's just keeping open that honest communication yeah. and being and being okay with making mistakes and being open to being corrected as yeah. well. Because I believe also yeah. that for me, because you know, how you explain it, that's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Like um, the the body, especially for me, I work in fitness, and so I have to also help people understand that people who are overweight, like there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. The the weight you carry on your body doesn't make you who you are. Yeah. So for me, who you are on the inside is all that matters. Yeah. But not knowing the right wording or what what makes a person feel respected in that sense mm. is indeed, I think, something that a lot of people will have to be confronted with, and then. Yeah. I'm I'm happy I'm the kind of person that I only have to make a mistake once. Yeah. And then I can learn from it. Yeah. And I also feel that the least we can do to make someone feel comfortable in a world that's already oh so shitty is just l accommodate them in what they need to be feel exactly the same way as you feel in this world. Yeah. And that counts for trans people, for um queer people, for um, people of different cultures, different races. Yeah. The least we can do is like make that minimal amount of effort to just be like, oh, would you rather me say this? No problem. Ex I'm going to end up calling you homie too. anyway. So that's the thing too, though, is, uh, is another thing that can make it feel complicated is people are different, right? Yeah. So there are people who, um, uh, for example, there are people who would label me as being bisexual. And I did embrace that as, as my like label for a little bit. And then at some point I was like, well, I don't know that that really feels like, how I feel because I just like love people in general. Um, so the, now I cute. just, I like you. Yeah. So now I'm kind of like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm queer or something. Um, in that same way, there's maybe trans women who are like, um, well, I prefer that you just say woman. Don't say trans because I'm just a woman full stop. And, and so that's, there's so many different ways, um, based on also what each individual feels the most comfortable yeah. with. Um, 
And that just, again, speaks to the fact that we are all going to keep like messing up yeah. all the time. Um, I'm sure that, yeah, that, that there's maybe something even I've said today that someone will be like, well, I disagree with her. Yeah, for sure. For me, it's different. But I mean, I guess um, effort and that's is what counts. super valid. Yeah. And, and yeah, we're always allowed to, I think, reach out to each other and say like, oh, well, I actually see it differently. Which is why I also say to people like, always, always DM me for whatever if I post something or I say something and you're like, I have an issue with that, then DM me. I'm very slow with replying usually, but I always get to it ultimately. And I think that's a great way for me to also continue learning and like showing up as my best self um, in everything that I do. Because I think there's a lot of things we can do society in the macro sense as in making, um, making jobs and environments accessible for everyone mm. and then there's the effort in the micro sense the little things just per person respecting whatever they prefer yeah and making that small 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 adjustment to accommodate them i mean it's the least we can fucking do so yeah yeah it, it really shouldn't be a problem that people are set in their ways yeah exactly. it's, it's a complicated world some people i've had conversations people would say like because everything else in the world is already so difficult, I'm going to focus on that. Yeah. And I'm not going to care about it, the rest. Yeah. Which it's hard to not try and understand that. Yeah. People, From a place of self-preservation, I get it. Yeah. Because sometimes I feel like my brain's exploding. Yep. It's literally a societal minefield. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you could yeah. be trying to say everything right and still step on the wrong one exactly. and be like, Damn. And you're like, oh, so close, so close. But, but it, this has been really intention. enlightening though. Like, um, yeah. It's. I think for me also, it's important to have that perspective, and know that it's I- important sometimes to slow it down, take an extra second to consider, mm. and then make a choice. Um, I of course always hope that my baseline of just be nice to a- every single person. My rule is is a great baseline. A- a- if right? you if you don't commit crimes and you don't hurt a person, <laughs> then yeah. I have no reason not to be nice to you. Exactly. I don't give a shit who you are, what you look like, what you identify as, like. Yeah. I'm just going to be nice yeah. because it's so easy for me to be nice and it costs me too much energy to be mean or to be d- racist or to be yeah. um, judgmental. It just, it costs me energy that Being I don't want to spend. Being mean is so exhausting. Fuck, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Being mad at people is so exhausting. I just rather hug and <gasps> smile at everyone and then my yeah. life is so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting, like um, for us coming from the islands as well, like I feel like the learning curve for me has been quite high because in Curacao, I feel like we were not typically pushing those boundaries. We were not talking about no. homosexuality or about this or that. Almost at all. Like at school, anything. nothing. We sweep all these things under the rug. And in that regard, um, I think that living in Holland has definitely broadened those horizons for me. And that's something that I do take home with me um, and that I do you know, talk to my parents about and, you know, like when I was home last was, was, was last year in December and there were certain things being said at the dinner table. I was like, do you guys realize that this is quite discriminatory to that group? You know, like, do you realize that this is not a nice way to talk about this group? And it's like, oh, well, it's just our language. And I'm like, and I'm like, okay, but we can change our language. We can practice that. And um, my hope is that in Curacao as well, I would love to do some projects and stuff in Curacao. I was just going to say, that's that's somewhere <gasps> oh that needs a lot of... Uh... Dream. So 
that is definitely something I'm working towards in the future. I'd love to do, I'd love to give back in some way and to also create kind of contribute to the creation of safe spaces for younger people in who are still living on the island um, or actually people of all ages, I suppose, but especially younger people, because when you're discovering these parts of your identity, it can be so hard and it can feel so lonely. Yeah, you're, um, you're more in a more fragile state in life too. So yeah, you, you, yeah. Can't, you can't be independent. So exactly. So I think that would be really great is to see Curacao going in that direction where ultimately we have those safe spaces and also, um, Homo Huwiluk is still not allowed there. So like... Which is the silliest thing done. to have to worry about. Ah, it's so wild. It's so wild. Which makes me just want to like get that shit changed and go get married then there to like spite the yeah. system. <laughs> you know? Yeah, just like, here, here goes your... Uh, your, your The old you again. Yeah. Like, what did you say I can't do? What? Like, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. So... Well, this, is, this has been ex exactly the talk I wanted to be because... Um, it's it's not a subject that I get to talk about very often, because yeah. I'm I'm a straight man, yeah, and it's hard as weird to say, but I'm a proudly straight man because I love my woman, yeah. She's 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 awesome. So, <laughs> she seems awesome. I've oh, never she, met her, but oh, she's the best. So you you gushed about her yeah, enough for me to be like, oh, she seems cool. It, it's it's hard not to be proud of yeah. who I am. Yeah, of course. Um, but I really want to at least feel considerate enough to have information and talk to people and know that anyone i, I could i could hug anyone and be, it, it'll be okay you know so yeah yeah so thank you very much for uh for and i think helping. you do that well huh i do want to say that like you we kind of talked about that before starting the recording was like the good old days of parties and stuff oh, and yeah. like coming to you guys house and all just hanging out and i i have always felt like you you are a safe space as a human. Like you are just, as you said, like you step into things just with this baseline of, I'm just going to be nice. You know, that's the basic level that you always operate from. And I think that alone is so valuable because there's a lot of people that don't do that. Um, so I do want to say that, that like, oh, thank you. I love for you. I stop it, girl. Shit, you're going to make me blush, fuck <laughs> up my makeup and do this boo boo. Yeah, because like, True kindness is such an undervalued, yeah, like talent nowadays. Yeah. So I just, for me, it, it would just be much, much easier. Everyone would just be, just be kind. Just yeah. st start from kindness and let everything else follow. Just yeah. as assume everyone is just not there to fuck you over. Yeah. No one's trying to take away from you. Yeah. Assume that I can win without you having to lose. It's not a pie. Exactly. It's <laughs> not a pie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. This was a lovely conversation. Thank you. Do you see how easy a minute, an hour and 50 minutes can go by? Oh my God, we're already there. Yeah, huh? that's a lot. Yeah, long I was are. already thinking. I was like, and we didn't even like cover some topics I wanted to talk about. Really? So that means <laughs> I get to invite you again for part two. Hey awesome. Yeah. Um, good. So tell the people where, where they can follow you, where they can um, like follow your journey, and where they can hook up with you. Yeah, like, that uh, basically Instagram, Nicole Romer, just. Stuck together, N I C O L E R O M E R. Boom, that's me. That's you. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if if any, people have any uh, business inquiries, can they also contact you? Yeah, my website is kind of under construction, so just 
send me a DM and we'll go from there. Uh, you, 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 you're still fresh in the game, so yeah, uh, you have a, you yeah. have a lot of time to, uh, I'm, I'm still to a baby, shine on those spots. Baby businesswoman. Yeah. Well, I wish you a lot of success. Thank you. Um, from what I know, from just knowing you and uh, our conversation today, I, I have no doubt that uh, you're going to be creating a lot of important impact in areas that need it. So, uh, um, if I can give you one advice from one entrepreneur to another, just be relentless as a motherfucker. Yeah. Just go fucking like I always use the term like step on the throat. Yeah. Like yeah. metaphorically, <laughs> don't be violent, but just <laughs> hey, push your heels straight into that jugular and go, girl. Just fucking yeah. Dog all, with a bone. Exactly. All gas, no break. Go, go, go. And before you know it, you're gonna, yeah. you're not gonna even remember when it was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be fun. And it's gonna be fun. use that smile of yours as a fucking weapon because <laughs> that's that yeah you I have contagious <laughs> like smile so use that if, if that's not your your get it get a client card i know what's gonna be thank you very very much guys please go follow nicole follow her journey go support her show her that love thank you guys for watching this was a long one but for a beautiful reason hope you guys enjoyed um i'm ha- lucky enough to have a lot of really interesting guests lined up um I'm going to invite Nicole again for part two because we didn't even get to talk about Curacao that much. I know. This, this is the yeah. first podcast where like it was such an interesting story that we didn't even talk about the islands. But I the islands didn't is, think about that. I yeah. Like, <laughs> so uh, we're definitely going to get to that. So I hope you guys enjoy. Um, follow me on Instagram. You can auto follow the, the Instagram for the podcast itself or you can follow my own Instagram to see what I do on the regular. And uh, thanks a lot. This was great. You're a natural. Woohoo. See? You guys, you guys hear what I said about that voice? Nice and sultry. You got a, you got like a, like a feminine James Earl Jones thing what going on. What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, Totolica. 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 Bracaput, may may. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoy, and uh, see you in the next one. <laughs>